Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim. I've got a guest who will be joining us here in just a couple moments. I just interviewed him and now I'm doing the intro for that interview. An infectious energy. He's excited about this business. He's squeezing his Amazon business into the cracks of his otherwise very busy schedule and he's seeing some great results. He's very excited about the trajectory of this business. He's tried a lot of other business models. We kind of spend some time making fun of and and joking around a little bit about all the scams that are floating around online, cryptocurrency things and all these different business models, these you know black holes you can get sucked into. So he came in very skeptical, came into our community skeptical, but he's a fan of this podcast. He listened to a bunch of episodes where we interview people who are doing the business, just like the interview you're about to hear today. And he found that very comforting. And it started to take down some of his skepticism. So he thought he'd give it a try. And now here he is with a beautiful business that you'll hear him describe very soon. He lives in the UK and he's actually applying the principles from our best-selling course, our only Amazon course, the Proven Amazon course. What it's called, provenamazoncourse.com. He talks about that. He jumped in, started applying the principles he learned to the UK Amazon market. And he's having great success. He'll soon be transitioning and selling also in the United States as well. On that note, if you've never heard me address this before, the basic model that we teach in our Amazon seller training for new sellers, 99% of all new sellers start in the same place in our community, which is why we have so many success stories. It's the model that works. It's low risk, low learning curve, low investment required. You're earning money while you're learning to sell on Amazon. That model is called replens. It works extremely well in the US market. It works very well in the Canadian market, not quite as well as the US. And it also works in the UK Amazon seller market. So the Amazon platform in the US, beautiful. Amazon in Canada, not quite as great from our perspective, but still very, very good. UK, same thing, not as good as the US market as far as overall total potential, but still works well. No matter where else you live in the world, if it's not one of those three places, you need to set up an entity in the United States. And we walk you through that. We've got international students in our community from all over the world, coaches on our team from all over the world who are buying and selling in the United States all day, every day. But today we're meeting a guest who's applying these strategies just in the UK market. And as well as it's working there, we spend some time talking about how much more it would work once he gets launched and rolling in the U.S. market as well. He's going to do both. Our guest's name today is Mr. Daniel Sarpong. We had a great time hanging out. We talk about how he finds his inventory, the trajectory of his business, his profit margins, the challenges he's running into, how he uses a tool called Keepa. We spend a significant amount of time kind of digging in for a few minutes into kind of some technical details of how did he uses Keepa in some creative ways and what he finds valuable about it. If you don't know what Keepa is yet, go listen to podcast episode 369 at silentgym.com. That's podcast episode 369. Keepa is literally the only tool you need along with our training to build a beautiful business. We have many sellers in our community who have built seven-figure businesses using just Keepa because it scrapes and gathers data from Amazon in a way unlike any other tool that's on the market. Silentgym.com podcast episode 369 talks you through that if you've never been introduced to that. So those are some of the topics we spent some time on today as well as 
some uh, bundling strategies that Dan wanted to talk about a little bit. He's a great guy. You're going to enjoy hanging out with him. Like I said, he's got a full-time job. He's a full-time real estate agent. And with the few hours he has in the morning, the few hours he has in the evening, he's on trajectory to soon have a $30,000 a month business selling at a nice profit margin. Again, we talk about those details on the show today. So let's jump over and meet today's guest, Mr. Dan Sarpon. So Dan, my friend, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Jim. I really appreciate you taking time. Oh, I appreciate you, buddy. You're doing me a huge favor, inspiring all of us and telling your story. Let's get into it. I can't wait. Thank you. So do you just want me to start talking about how I kind of got into things? E-commerce in general. So essentially, I was... So I am an estate agent or real estate agent in the US, I guess. But I'm in the UK, in London. And I am an estate agent by trade. That's what I've done for the last 10 years or so. And I had... I had a startup that was kind of got going just before COVID and COVID came in, things didn't really work out. And I was kind of looking for another way to find my financial independence, shall we say. After looking around on kind of YouTube and things of this nature, I came around e-commerce, specifically Amazon, which was really interesting because as far as I knew, Amazon, when you buy from Amazon, you're actually buying from Amazon. So I had no idea about this third-party seller side of things. i done various courses. I'm a studier. So if I find something, I need to know it from A to Z before I even get involved, right? And as you can probably imagine, there's a lot of, you know, things like crypto trading, forex trading, all these kind of things. And oh, I'm I always know. a bit skeptical. <laughs> oh, you're, you're right to be skeptical. 99, 99% of that stuff out is just a dead-end disaster, man. I've been doing this 20 years, so trust me, 99% oh, yeah. is not an exaggeration. It's just a waste of time. <laughs> and I've tried most of it, to be honest yeah. with you. So. And, and none of it's worked, let me guess, right? It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. <laughs> and, um, so I found, I found this Amazon FBA thing, and I was, I was intrigued, but again, skeptical. So after looking around for some time, I was in a UK group and actually went on a sourcing course. Because I didn't understand how, I just couldn't get it. I was looking on websites and I just, it it wasn't clicking for me. And I was speaking to another guy in there and he introduced me to Pat, essentially. And he said, look, these guys are really good. The course is really comprehensive. Have a look and tell me what you think. And I guess my first thought was, it's in America. It's not going to be the same as the UK. You can't use it. I was totally converted from literally the first day, I have to say. Wow, so, um, that's awesome. And just for the for the listeners, yeah. Dan, let me clarify. Anytime there's an acronym, it's my job as the host to make sure we explain ourselves. Oh, yeah. You yeah, mentioned yeah, the yeah, PAC, <laughs> which effectively, that, that's what we call it around here. And we all just, instead of saying proven Amazon course, we all call it the PAC, right? It's been around 12 years. It's the course that's behind all the success stories on this program. So I want to make sure we don't leave anyone behind. Get over to provenamazoncourse.com. That's the course that Dan just referenced. The pack. All right. So you found the pack after thinking it was a US only thing, which is a common yeah. thing to think because most of our students are in the US. But I don't know if you knew this or not, Dan, about 30% of the students of the Proven Amazon course are from outside the US somewhere. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Anywhere else. That's about the, that's about the number. Yeah. About 30% of our students are, are non-US based sellers. Now, 95 to 97% of our students buy and sell in the U.S. Mm, okay. So it's a very small fraction who actually use the ideas to buy and sell 
in their home country. Because you can buy and sell in the U.S. from anywhere. Which I will be coming to at some point. I wasn't aware of that with your story, but it just those are the that, that's just raw data, right? Because I'm if you live in the you. UK or in Canada, there's opportunity there. And the other places where Amazon is right now, from our vantage point, it's really hard to get momentum with Amazon mm. unless you're buying and selling in the US. That's where everyone sure. should go. So that, that's my sorry to interrupt you there, but just throwing out some facts and things. No, 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 I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um so I mean in the beginning, I thought, oh, is this going to work in the UK? But obviously, I found the replens model quite quickly. And that is, I guess, as I was saying before, I did quite a few courses before. And the issue I was having was building sustainable, profitable business, right? Because I guess there's a difference between doing it as a job where you're constantly buying sales items to moving that. What actually showed me the replens model is you can actually build a replenishable list that you can buy time and time again. And that was a major difference I found when I came into Hack and came into the replenish school. So, yeah, I mean, that, to be honest, I probably wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't find it. Yeah, and that that is a common misconception. Allow me just to spend a moment clarifying. For those who've listened to many podcast episodes, you know exactly what Dan just said. If you're new around here, there's a big difference between the model that you were just describing, Dan, where you're constantly looking for a discount or a sale or an item you can flip. Mm. It's a grind. It's a lot of work. Now it can be fun and some people love doing it. That's (laughs) great. God bless you. If you enjoy that type of thing on the weekends and you just want to hit 50 yard sales a week, that's awesome. Hit the clearance aisles, Mm. have fun. But we prefer the model that we teach, which is very different, which is a boring list of products that when you need more, you go buy more because you're paying full retail price, easily sourced items, replenish your inventory as things sell, which is the replen model. So that's what you just contrasted. Correct me if I'm wrong, but those two models, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It made so much real difference to me, I think, because essentially, obviously, I finished work about 6 p.m., 7 p.m. UK time. So I was really trying to build something that I could progress in the future and really build something into a business that I can run alongside my day job. And I didn't, the, the way I was going initially, buying sales items, the problem is in the UK, what essentially happens is if you see it on sale, everybody else sees it on sale. And as you can imagine, the spike in sellers, it affects the price. And that was the major issue I was coming across with kind of the sale items, like you just said. So the replenish model, it has its own nuances in the UK. But it still works. The fundamentals are still there. And actually, if you can apply that to the UK, I mean, you can really build a sustainable business over here. So, I mean, that that's the journey I'm going down. So, um, yeah, And we do yeah. have many sellers in the UK using the replens model to buy and sell in the UK. Absolutely, yeah. we do. It just you represent a smaller fraction of our community. And I would yeah, encourage absolutely. you, as you gain success in the UK, if you're not doing it already, you can apply that same level of effort to the U.S. market and do quite well. It's not that difficult to get set up with a U.S.-based entity. And as a real estate agent, you know, you're used to signing a few pieces of paper and getting things done, right? So it's just a matter of signing the right pieces of paper and filling out the right forms. And now you've got a U.S.-based entity and a U.S.-based business, and you can buy and sell in the U.S. using a prep center here in the U.S. to to manage your inventory. That's always essentially been my vision, really. I wanted to get to the U.K. to a certain point, maybe having taken on a few virtual assistants just to kind of outsource it as much as possible before I move on to the US and essentially replicate the same model. So, mm-hmm. 
That's right. It would be exactly the same. And I would say it would scale a little faster, actually. Yeah, for the people that I know in kind of the groups I'm in over in the UK, when they move over to the US, like it's a whole different opportunity over here. So, um, like the golden land, but <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just a lot more shoppers here. There's a lot more ASINs you can sell against, a lot more listings on Amazon that are good potential replin candidates. That's you know, that's the difference. So, for the same level of effort, you're getting three or four times the return, absolutely. So, um yeah, I hope to, I would say probably maybe by the end of this year, early next year, is kind of when I'm going to take that leap, really. Sounds great. Well, talk me through your, your process, how it's going. Let's hear about your business. You're squeezing it into the, the extra hours that you have in the week. You're a busy real estate agent, so you don't have a lot of time, but talk us through those details. So the one thing I found is you have to go quite wide in the UK. I mean, that's something you, you guys teach anyway, inch deep, mile wide. That I, t- I took that on board um, from the beginning, really. I've had to adjust my lifestyle a little bit. So I now get up at four in the morning, work till probably about eight when I leave, and then do the same in the evening um, from six till nine. And that gives me enough time to essentially source the products that I need and do all the admin behind it. So I've made a few life adjustments. That's definitely helped. Quite early on, I found actually in order to get enough products through the door, I need to take on a prep center because my living room here, I'm in a two-bedroom flat here. It wasn't cutting it. I'm on the third floor as well, Jim. So taking the boxes, 25 uh, kilograms up and down the stairs. You said yeah, it probably was. third floor. <laughs> third yeah. floor. No lift. <laughs> You'd rather work out. It, you know, when you want to, not every day carrying stuff home with, up the stairs when you get home from work, right? Absolutely. And the thing is, I think the one kind of constant story I've heard is everyone's had their version of their own grind. And you have to do these things in the beginning. So I think it's yes. quite important to, you know, how to do a shipment and you kind of know what goes into it. I've listened to a few of your podcasts. And I remember when, I think it was Leah that's in Canada. She said she started when she had a baby and she was doing the lift up and down. I was like, with trail mix, I think it was, right? And I was like, me walking up and down the stairs, that's nothing compared to that, right? So right. I love that about this group, no matter how hard your grind is. I love that word. You know, it, it won't always be a grind. You'll start to build yeah. systems and automate things and become less and less required for the day-to-day activity. But initially, I call it that period of intense focused effort. Everybody goes through it. It's inconvenient. There's parts of it you don't like. Building a business in all cases, I mean, you went through this with your real estate business, I'm sure, if you think back in time, you've been doing it a while, but think back to those first six months. It's like, really? More paperwork? Really? There's more tests to take? Really? There's questions I don't know the answer to and I have to read a book and it's just hard. Those first few months can be hard with anything worth doing, right? But then you get into the routine and you start to automate and build systems. But that period of intense focused effort, we love to see students go through that. And we don't try to relieve that work and that pain even. We want our students to go through that because that gives you then the ability to sustain and truly build something special. That's why we don't do the done for you. Like, hey, just write us a check and we'll build the whole thing for you and you just watch the numbers. No, we're not going to do that. I've seen a few of those actually. We'll do everything for you. And I think that's where the skepticism comes in. It comes in because if it's that easy, everybody would do it. But with you guys, it was very much, it's going to be hard in the beginning. And I feel if it takes work, not everybody will do it. And that's what's exactly. Part, so. That's yeah. why I call us business building warriors, right? 
We're not business building gamers, <laughs> business building leisurely weekend relaxers. No, we're we're business building warriors because it's work. It's blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, and it doesn't always go the way you hope it will. But when you're surrounded with a bunch of people who are doing it, who have more challenges, like you pointed out, Dan, like there's people in our community, your three flights of stairs is nothing compared to what some people yeah. have gone through, right? To build this business. <laughs> Right. And, and it just makes you realize. Yeah, 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 definitely. It does make you realize that like, whatever you're going through, someone's done it before and they've got to the other side. And I think that's really what pushed me through the times when you just want to give up. Right? You just want to give up. It's not working. It's too hard. Your listings are tanking and all, all things of this nature. And having a community like that, and specifically watching your podcast, watching people go through this and make it, really kind of pushed me through those times. So I, I literally became obsessed. It's probably still am a little bit obsessed, but I literally became obsessed. And I think that's the only way I could get to where I am now and, and where I hope to go later. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a full-time job. You've got a busy life. and You've had to carve out the time. I'm sure there's other things you used to do with that time and you've had to give some of those things up. I mean, that's that's the definition of sacrifice. But you've got something growing now that's special. Tell us about it. What's your routine? How are you sourcing products? Share some numbers okay. that you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, I've got it. So my routine, I wake up in the morning. So essentially, I one big thing I got into was I found quite early that these prices will fluctuate. So for example, your buy prices from your retail stores will fluctuate. The stores on Amazon will fluctuate. So how am I going to kind of pick the cherries, cherry pick through the list. I mean, I, I think I got to a point where I'd sourced maybe 1,500 profitable products at one time. How am I going to kind of keep track on them? And I basically found out you could code the Google Sheet to kind of give you little pings when a product became profitable again. So coding was quite a big part of me starting out and me being to manage it, uh, my replaying list. My day really starts, I go through, look at the products that have become profitable, maybe in the last few, maybe week or so. I make my purchases for that week. I've actually taken on a prep center now, which has been amazing. Well, mm, let me give you the back end. So I had a... Oh. Sorry, I was muted. You said a UK-based prep center, right? UK-based prep, prep center. I will just clarify, I did have a prep center before and it did go wrong. And now I've taken on a new prep center uh, this month, actually. They've been absolutely amazing. And I think maybe only going through the bad when you really understand what good looks like. Oh, sure. Um, Always adjusting your systems and the people you're working with. We'll have to make sure at, once we're done here that we add them to our prep center network. That's a free list of all the prep centers for those who don't know. Make sure if they're a good prep center, we want to add them to that list. Prepcenternetwork.com <laughs> is the list. Of, it's all the UK, US. It's all the global prep centers that we're aware of. Um, yeah, so. I mean, the, the difference is amazing. And specifically, I think especially with the UK pips and I, I may be the same as the, the US, but I haven't obviously had that experience. But essentially what they do is they take on quite a few clients. And then the issue that you have is obviously when you get clients that grow, you can't get them out fast enough. So your 24-hour turnaround turns goes to one week and then goes to mm -hmm. 10 days. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that's going to affect your sales. And, yeah. you know, well, it, it does become... From my vantage point, it's an indication of just how expansive this opportunity is and how quickly it's growing. Because every time a prep center opens its doors, they have no problem getting clients. The problem they have is serving the clients well and knowing when to cut it off and saying, we can't take any more clients because 
the clients has come from everywhere. Our community has fully stocked, I don't know, at this point, 150 prep centers. I don't know, like just, <laughs> just our community, right? No more clients. No more clients. <laughs> you know, thousands of people doing this business and building great businesses yeah. and buying inventory and they don't want to carry it up three flights of stairs like Dan, like, hey, I'm going to send it to a prep center instead. Yeah. And those those prep centers are just exploding. And, yeah. and so sometimes they're like, I don't want to tell anyone my favorite prep center because I don't want them to take on any more clients, right? So you have some of that <laughs> going on too. But we do maintain that list at Prep Center Network. And any given week, you know, the, there's new names being added on there. So, yeah. Yeah. No, they're good guys. So essentially, I will fill out my prep sheet so the guys know what's coming in. Then I'll go into my repricer just to ensure that the kind of prices are in line. I mean, it sounds quite small. I'm looking at my to-do list. It sounds smaller than night. That's a massive one, making sure any new ASINs are enrolled, checking my sales from the last week, if I need to replenish any of those. It actually sounds like not that many jobs, but it, it takes hours. <laughs> yeah. It takes a few hours a day doing it all yourself, yeah. even with a prep center at, at the level that you're at. So how many ASINs are you selling against? How many different replens? So I've got my next shipment going in, I think it's 135 ASINs going in. 135 active? Yeah. Gotcha. And what size business is that, if you don't mind sharing? So at the moment, I'm about 13,000 a month at the moment. 13,000 in sales? Yeah. Yeah, right. And what's your, what's your net profit margin approximately right now? Right now, I'm working about 13, 14%. 13, 14%. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So you are, you're, you're very much in a scaling stage. You're pretty much in a, you're in a newer scaling stage, but what's your confidence level on where this is all heading? Oh, massive confidence. I mean, one thing is interesting. You asked me about my, my net profit margin. So that is very much something that the next shipment going in, I really had to work on because essentially one of the big things I think when I started selling on Amazon, keeper wasn't at the forefront of my mind. I was looking at the price now and how much I'm getting it for, right? So that was a big learning curve. That was a big learning curve for me. I mean, I'm quite confident going in for this shipment going in. Moving forward, I'd be working with a minimum of 20, really. That, that, that's, that's my aim. So, yeah. 20, 22 net absolutely. profit margin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, confidence in terms of growing it. Uh, yeah, I initially thought that the ceiling would be maybe 25,000 a month in the UK. Now, I think, I don't know, you could probably say 30 to 35. I think I could quite comfortably do it before taking on anyone else on. So, yeah, that's the level I want to get to before I start thinking about the US. So, yeah. Right. You said before you take anyone else on too. Is it, You're a one-man show right now, correct? Yeah. Doing absolutely. it all yourself, right? So you talked about maybe getting a virtual assistant. Is that something you've done or you're thinking about? So that's something I'm thinking about. So when it go, in the UK, you have uh, what's called the VAT threshold, VAT threshold. So once your sales get past eighty-five thousand within a certain within the calendar year, you essentially have to register for an additional tax. At that point, you have to get a lot more documentation from the retailers. I think when you get to that point, it's going to become too much admin. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to do the admin and have someone else come to do the sourcing, right? That's quite important, but man, that's so unfortunate. I, think, I hate when government <laughs> regulation slows down entrepreneurs. I mean, okay, maybe it's necessary, but come on, really? Less <laughs> taxes. You're too big there. now. We've got to make life really painful <laughs> for you suddenly. 
Come on. Hey, death and taxes. What can you I want to grow. Right? I want to hire people. I want to serve my customers. No, here's a stack of paperwork you have to do. Yeah. I, I see it as almost, um, I guess when once I get there, I'm going to feel like a professional UK seller. So that's when I've really, and that's when I can really deal with net margins. And that's when I can really understand what the business can make. Essentially, I have to take someone else on and then start teaching them, obviously, the sourcing methods that I use specifically, which, again, I got from the pack course, which the Keeper Products Finder. That has been an absolute game changer for me, purely because essentially what I was doing before is just going on site, spending hours and hours and hours and hours going through. And then um, you did, there was a... I don't know if it was a webinar or a section of the course that really went quite in depth with the Keeper Product Finder. Yeah. And was it the Advanced Keeper Training? Advanced Keeper that's Training with Brian Olson? That's the one. Yeah, yeah Brian that's Olson, the, that's the one. That's yeah. it. That's one of the modules. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people really enjoy that. Did you know that uh, Brian and his wife, Robin, they're two great coaching leaders on our team. They have a team of coaches that work with them on our team, but they're coming out with 11, it's either nine or 11 new Amazon seller strategies using Keepa. It's like the advanced Keepa strategy, the module that you went through. We've got 11 more of those. Just incredible ways, creative one. ways to use Keepa. You're going to love it. It's coming soon. I'll so, be the first one on those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, <laughs> man. I've already gone through it. I sent it to my team. I'm like these guys are these guys are great. So we've got such a, great, such, a too. such a great group of leaders and creative thinkers around here teaching us uh, how to use these tools. And there's always new things to learn for sure. But yeah, they the Keepa, it's called the module inside the Proven Amazon course for those who don't know. I know you do, Dan, but for those who don't know, it's called the Advanced Keepa Sourcing Module or Advanced Keepa Training. I can't remember, it's one of the two. Easy to find, Advanced Keepa Training. And uh, it steps you through, yeah, the, the strategy you're using that could save you, it really can save you so much time. Keepa so is a powerful tool. Yeah, yeah, so much time. It, it made such a difference. And I think... I can really attribute me finding all of those. And when I say they were profitable at one time, it's just because obviously they fluctuate in terms of pricing. But I would say at least 60% of those actually came from that training. So you're spending the same time sourcing, but you're getting a lot more from it. And exactly. yeah. And when so, you train, um, Brian, you can wherever train you are, virtual. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's awesome. Tom, you said thank you. Thank you. And you can train your virtual assistant to do all of these things as well. And, uh, I would be neglectful if I didn't point out that we've got our Proven Replens VA program where we supply trained VAs, something for you to consider when you get to that point. I, I definitely know about that already. Yep, that's where I'll be coming. We'll stick a link in the show notes for those who don't know. Or you can absolutely get on one of the popular virtual assistant sites and look for someone. They don't even have to have Amazon seller training experience. I would almost say that in many cases, that would be a disadvantage because they've probably been trained techniques different and strategies different than what we teach here. But you just find someone who's thorough and efficient and willing to pay attention and do it, you know, do the work. And the beauty of the Philippines, as you know, Dan, is the average Absolutely. hourly wage there is three or four dollars an hour. Well, I should say the average hourly wage is one dollar per hour on the island. So when you go and offer them a, a job for three or four dollars US per hour, that's an incredible opportunity for the vast majority of people that are technically skilled, they speak English. They learn fast. They want to work hard. That can be a great person to add to your team as your business scales. So you're in a, you're going in a good direction there. I do want to make sure that the first job you give them, Dan, is sourcing profitable products. Okay. That should be where you start. Not with the admin stuff so much, 
but with the sourcing profitable products. So you're generating more revenue for the money you invest in that first employee. That would be my Absolutely. advice. I've watched the show for long enough. So uh, as You've much as I want to get the admin, <laughs> so many, <laughs> I can almost hear your voice in my head. So as much as I want to get rid of the admin, the reality is if you're paying someone, let's make them an asset, uh, paying asset to the business. So yes. Yeah. Yes. You want to create assets, not liabilities when you start hiring people, right? You don't want to be worried about meeting payroll as you add people to your team. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to make sure that uh, essentially um, I've got enough money to spend. So that's one thing I think in the UK, people take them on quite early without being able to buy those deals. So I just want to get myself to a position where I can quite confidently say, if they find me a good deal, I'll be able to afford to buy it. So that's kind of my main priority at the moment, I'd say. Yeah, that is the factor that slows down a seller once they understand what we teach around here and they've got the momentum. Your cap is how much funding you can get your hands on because you're finding profitable inventory. The other cap you can run into is how much inventory will Amazon allow you to send in. And you hit those limits, now you got to get creative. But that is the, those are the limits that you'll find yourself hitting very soon. How much investment fund do I have to put into inventory? How much inventory will Amazon accept? And for you, as you start to hit both those limits, the, you can look at some creative financing. I'm sure you know, you've heard us talk about Accrue Me. You can go to silentgym.com slash funding and hear all about those guys. And there's many other opportunities as well. Or you can start to do some merchant fulfill, find a prep center who's willing to ship items as they sell for you, which is a little harder to find. I don't know if there's many in the UK that'll do that. But I think that's probably the time when you make the leap and start working in the US as well, sure. where you've got a whole new inventory limit that you can start to fill. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll be one of our diversified international students selling in multiple continents. We'll have you on stage speaking and teaching us all how it works, man. Because we don't do that. I don't sell in the UK at all. Uh, You know, I I would love to at some point, but we were busy enough just keeping up with the the opportunity. (laughs) The US demand, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think the the UK, I think it's a good starter when you can kind of learn the tricks and trades of the business. But um, I think US is a real opportunity. So you kind of earn your stripes over here and then you take it to US and you do it properly. So it's a great yeah, it's of- a great plan. But I wouldn't hold it against you if you just started off right in the US. And I would say that as you have time, I know you're a busy guy, it wouldn't hurt to start getting that ball rolling anyway. I mean, there's there's it's not like it's super expensive. It's not going to inconvenience you in any way. It's just little steps. There's a module you probably know about it, Dan, inside the Proven Amazon course, another module called internationalaz.com. Have you been through it or heard of it? So I've seen it. I haven't been through that one yet, though. That would be my advice for where you're at, is as you have spare time, I know you've got plenty of time in the day to just do whatever every day, right? But as you have some time, hit that international AZ because that is designed specifically for people like you that they live outside the U.S., but they're contemplating, considering, I want to start getting going in the U.S. I want to build an entity there and get, do what it has to be done. So it's built for you or anyone who lives outside the United States that wants to buy and sell in the U.S. Just start going through it so you're familiar with the process. Yeah, definitely. I will do. I will do. Um, there's a few things. The bundling course is definitely something that I want to go through as well. 
Yeah, so there's a few on there I still haven't got to, but yeah, the ATZ one, I'll definitely put on the list now. So Gotcha. So where were we? Any other lessons or anything else from your team that you could teach us? Uh, how are you finding um, your inventory? Talk us through that. You talk, you're using Keepa, the advanced Keepa. Keepa is the big one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I tried to mix methods a little bit. I would definitely say to kind of give me the best outcome. I do a lot of brand sourcing. Um, once I've found, obviously with ASINs, a good ASIN, I look at the brand on the other side and see if there's any more profitable ASINs on that side as well. That's a great um, tip. Yes. Yeah. One good replan can often lead you, it leads you to a brand and you research that brand and oftentimes there's just a host of other opportunities. There. Absolutely. And I think after you've done it a few times, you just realize there's, as it, it's so bizarre, the contrast from when you start out, you can't find maybe, I think I was finding maybe five in a week. After you know what you do, you can find that five in an hour, maybe two. <clears throat> and it won't go like that all the time. But once you've done it a few times, you realize it's plentiful. The abundance is always there. You just got to know how to find it, really. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's more learning how to recognize them than it is finding them. And I don't know if I've ever used that phraseology before, but I'm always looking for creative ways how to describe it. I, and I really like that. It, it's more about learning how to recognize them because they're everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. If, like, if you feel like you're looking for a, a needle in a haystack or looking for an Easter egg in a massive field, it's like, oh, I could look all day. I'm never going to find it. But when you realize that they really are everywhere. You're just scrolling past the good ones without realizing it. That's what's happening a lot of times. Absolutely. And we've Absolutely. spent some time on podcast episodes lately talking about that. But you know, if a product is dropping a lot on Keepa, I'm going to test it most of the time. I don't need to know any other data. I'm going to test it at a profitable price. My worst case scenario is I have to drop the price and sell it at a break-even. Why not? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think some, sometimes you even get an eye for this, for example. You'll be scrolling through and, oh, that's an unusual flavor. I bet that's on there. Oh, that's a multi-pack. Oh, I haven't seen that. No. That's beyond there. And then you just buy from there. Yeah, absolutely. You do get an eye. And after a while, you, when you're kind of, I've got a few friends that are kind of getting into it now. And when you explain, yeah, so you've got that one, maybe look at other types of coffee or things like that. And it will, you'll be doing that for the next week. So, yeah. They're everywhere. Well, when you look at Keepa, just talk me through your decision-making process, if you would, uh, for those who are maybe newer around here, and they've heard me talk about these things and other guests, but you've just typed in a brand and you've, you're looking at a replin now, and you're looking at a potential replin, the listing on Amazon, and it, you see the Keepa chart. Where do you go? What do you Where look do you at? Go? So this has changed drastically over time. So if I'm looking at a Keepa chart now, number one, I'm looking for... I mean, people will give you an idea of the amount of drops that they've got currently. Secondly, I'm looking at not the price it is now, or let's say the price it is last. So let's say, for example, it's my average selling price is about £16. So let's say the price is £20 now. Three months ago, it was £15. Can I make the margin that I want at £15? That's what I'm looking at. Now, is the mean price or the average price, you want to take it maybe across the year, I would say. So... The worst drop was 15. The average price is 16. I'm going to base it on 16. That Even though it's 20 now, I'm going to base, I think my actual price will be 16. And I can still make the margin I want at 15. So that's kind of how I'll go through in terms of pricing. Secondly, I'll, a massive kind of change for me was going through the data tab. So a lot of people kind of don't talk about that, but that data tab speaks volumes. Yes. Because 
You can learn a lot. The data tab. Yeah, like the buy box rotation, for example, right? Absolutely. Buy box rotation. When you go off account, when you go into offers in the data tab, I believe it is, it will tell you realistically how the price is moving and how their stock levels are adjusting against that price. Mm -hmm. That has made a massive difference to my buying decisions. So you can get quite strategic with things. And there's always more to learn. It, I don't want to. Spend, <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time nerding out over Keepa, especially keeping in mind that we've got newer listeners potentially here. I would say go listen to episode three hundred and sixty nine of this podcast three six nine. Go listen to it to learn why we love Keepa, what that tool is capable of, why it's so special and different from all the other tools that are out there. I mean, there's tools that cost hundreds of dollars a month, and, and Keepa costs about you know. It, it's about 20 US, somewhere around there, right? And, yeah, yeah. It's and, about think, and it just, 19 of the hell. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is hands down the best tool for people, especially using the model that we teach. Other tools have other purposes and we like some of those other tools. But for the replens model that we teach to 99% of all of our new students, it's the tool you need. Podcast episode 369 explains why. But I know every time I get into Keepa, I'm getting bolder all the time. I've been using it for years, but I'll just start clicking around and things will open up. And like, I didn't even know they did this. This is amazing. You can set price alerts, you know? So, hey, if the price ever drops, the buy box price ever drops below price X on this ASIN, let me know. Now you're getting alerts when your old expired ASINs become good again. The ones that tanked three months ago, and you're like, oh, I'm done selling on that one. Keepa will let you know when the price is back up to where you like it again, automatically. There's just so many cool features in there uh, for the 20 bucks a month. Uh, so yeah, yeah absolutely love the tool. Yeah, it's right. absolutely amazing. I, I haven't even got to the alert spot yet, but yeah, it's A lot of great features in there. There's always more to do. So what questions do you have for me, if any, Dan? Is there anything else you had on your list? I mean, you've, you've shared your story, your strategies, how you're finding your inventory. You're on a great trajectory. Uh, something I love that we pointed out today you know, I, I love the transparency of this podcast. What I mean by that is, here's a guy who's working several hours a week, working hard, and you're putting, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars maybe on a good month in the bank right now, but your trajectory is for significantly more than that. Oh, absolutely. Working yeah. significantly fewer hours than that. But you're fairly new to this journey. You haven't been doing it that long. So that's to be expected. It's a very realistic portrait of what this opportunity looks like. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think if I'm honest, my spending was quite conservative until I proved out the model for myself. Yeah, I held myself back. Instead of buying 10, you might buy three. And so once you become confident with things, then you'll say, look, I've read Keeper. I've looked at the data tab. This is buy box rotation. I can actually 10, 15. And now I'm a lot more confident in making those decisions. But I think you have to have that self-confidence in the model first, really. Yeah. And and I'm a huge advocate of that. Uh, My motto is slow down. Your trajectory matters more than the results you're getting right now. I'd much rather see you growing slowly in the right direction versus just a sudden spike of success month two. Because that tells me you're taking a lot of risks you're overly confident. You're probably going to take even bigger risks next month and the whole thing's going to break because you're going too fast, too high, too far, like slow and steady. You know, that's the that's that book we recommend around here all the time, The Tortoise and the Hare. Hey man, there's nothing wrong with taking it nice and slow. Show me your trajectory. I don't care where you are right now. It's the trend. 
And you are trending yeah. in a beautiful direction to where if we get back to you six months, eight months from now, you've got a virtual assistant, you're in the US market as well, you're doing 30,000 a month in the UK, you're quickly catching up to that in the US, and it's much more autopilot business. You're more checking the numbers than you are doing all the day-to-day work. Like That business is within range of happening this year. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the vision. Absolutely. I just have to keep the momentum going. I think consistency is a massive thing. In the beginning, I think there was times when I wouldn't do the purchase on the weekend because I had quite a busy social calendar. And then you realize when you look back at the numbers, the reason my sales aren't as good this week is because I didn't put that time in when I needed to. So uh, consistency was a big thing for me, especially coming into this year. So absolutely. You've got to shop often. You've got to ship often. You've built this machine. You built this machine that's turning, you know, five dollars into ten dollars. So, okay, how often do you want to do that? Well, that's up to your level of hustle, or bring other people in to help that hustle happen around the clock. But yeah, if you don't send stuff in, there's nothing there to sell, and you'll you'll see the <laughs> you will feel the hit two to three weeks from now. Like what's yeah, happening? I'm having a must... terrible slow day. away. <laughs> but in two three weeks, like, oh my god, what happened? I tell you what happened. Three weeks ago, you were. Watching Netflix instead of doing purchasing. <laughs> you were so. watching Netflix and, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, we watch football here. You watch soccer there, right? Like it was Netflix yeah, and yeah, soccer yeah. was the problem, right? So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I've, I've kind of, I, I would say I've got my North Star now. So I'm absolutely committed to it. So yeah, I have no doubt next time we're on, then yeah, I'll be able to claim those figures and yeah, it'll be comfortable. So I'm looking forward to it. That's fantastic. Well, any any questions for me, anything about the business or any of the thoughts you had on your mind before we before we start to roll this one out? So I would say from obviously having you on now, I would say um, in terms of diversifying, would you say, would you suggest obviously me coming from the UK, would it be a good idea to diversify, for example, just get experience in, for example, creating your own bundles before going into the US away, straight away? Or do you think I should just go into the US and then kind of look it from there. You know, my instinct, which could easily be wrong, but again, I'm just kind of going through the process of thinking through the, you know, the hundreds of coaching students that we've had in various scenarios and the the likelihood of things turning out positively for you. It is, I'd say you've got a 95% chance of succeeding in the US. Okay. Because you're succeeding in the UK. That success you're having is going to translate over very, very well. That skill set of creating bundles, I don't see that as a, I mean, that, that's a skill set you need to add at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. It's going to serve you well in the US market and in the UK market. To what extent will it impact your business the greatest? Let's say, if, if Dan, your question to me is, I've got 20 hours I'm going to commit to either getting established in the US or to cranking out some good bundles for the UK. And I'm only going to spend those 20 hours in in one or the other. I'm not going to try to do both. Get in the US. Okay. That's my answer. Okay. But do you want that bundle skill? Absolutely. That's kind of the next tier. We haven't talked about that a lot today, but you know, mm-hmm. the, the replen business, you're selling alongside other sellers. You get into that proven brand building strategy, which again, another module inside the proven Amazon course, provenbrandbuilding.com, where you're setting up these these bundles branded under your brand name and no one can compete with you. 
So it's you getting name brand products that everybody recognizes, putting it in your branded box with some kind of unique item that adds value. And suddenly you're selling products that no one else can compete with. I would say doing that would be a good second step from where you are now. Once you kind of start to get things rocking in the US. Although it doesn't hurt to play with it. You know, one of the when someone asks me a question quite often, if they say, Hey, should I do A or should I do B? My brain instantly goes to, is there a good reason you shouldn't tackle both? So it depends on how much time you have, how much, you know, if you've got a low-hanging bundle in mind that's easily accessed and you want to test it, hey, there's no reason not to. That's the beauty of this business is there's 50 things you could do to improve your business today. (laughs) And they're probably all decent ideas. And if you want someone to tell you the exact one you should try next, and it's it's kind of it's kind of hard if you can tell I'm kind of struggling, but I'm very confident that your success in the UK will translate to success in the US very quickly. You may even find some products that you can source easily in the UK. You know, like we've got a good friend, a coach on our team. He comes to our live events. Neil, he sends me a bunch of chocolates from the UK, like a couple times a year, just all kinds of stuff you guys have over there that I don't have here. And I'm often looking at them going, man, some of these would be good replans, man. Some of these are good sellers. Like, so you figure out a way to kind of get some of that access to the the sources you have there and build some partnerships in the US. And now you're sending a crate at a time. And, you know, this that diversifying and being multi-continental with your business is going to open up some cool opportunities. But, but don't, okay. I don't want to confuse anyone. When you open a replans business on Amazon in the US, you're buying and selling products in the US. But as your business matures, you can get into some of the importing, exporting. We don't start any new sellers there. If you're doing any importing and exporting the first year of Amazon selling, you're doing it wrong. You're taking unnecessary risks. Yeah, you shouldn't. Absolutely. But, but as your business matures, now you've got that advantage. You've got a footprint there. You're selling here. Uh, it could turn into something pretty cool. So it, my instinct is to push you in that direction. But hey, do all of it is kind of my answer. Sure. Okay. And my only other question would be, from your experience, so going from this place of 15 to trying to get to the 30, 35, what do you kind of see in your experience as the most common mistakes people make because, or challenges that may come up across? Because I can imagine you've kind of seen them all by now. Your question is you're at 15,000 or so in sales a month now. You want to double that, get to 30,000 a month in yeah. sales. What, what can I expect? One of the things I love about the way the Proven Amazon course is laid out is when Jimmy Smith put the content together, he kind of identified those benchmarks, zero to 100, or sorry, zero to 10,000, 10,000 to 30,000, 30 to 50,000. And what kind of tools you start to introduce? Like, okay, now I've got a repricer. Now I've got a virtual assistant. What are some of the things that I'm going to add onto my business as it grows? So I'd encourage you to revisit the course because it gives some really good specific advice that's probably not top it of does, mind. Yeah, I do remember it, it's yeah. not top of mind for me. It probably should be, but I, you know, there's things he's going to point out in the course, and it, it's a you know standard operating procedure bullet point checklist kind of stuff. But for yeah, me, I the thing that I think <laughs> slows people down the most would be a big mistake. And what I mean by that is, and you mentioned this earlier, and I would say hold on to those cautious instincts that you have instead of buying. 50 units by five, by 10, test small, because you start to get your confidence. It it reminds me, here's the example, Dan. Here's, I think, the the best way I can illustrate what I'm trying to say. Most airplane crashes, when a pilot makes a mistake, 
don't happen in their first, I can't remember what the number was. It's like the first thousand hours of flying because they're so nervous and so focused and so intent on not doing anything stupid that they're some of the safest, you know, it's the same thing with new drivers, right? They're like, their hands on the steering wheel where it should be. Yep. They're, you know, no distractions. They're not trying to check in the mirrors, yeah. Taco and text and put on <laughs> lipstick. You know, they're they're the like they're the, some of the safest drivers because they are scared and they're doing it yeah. right. That you're entering into that that window of you could do something pretty stupid because you think you're smart now, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm go gonna get thousand I'm units. I'm just going in. Yep. <laughs> that that's what'll throw you off. Stick with what yeah. got you there. Keep the slow and steady, boring scaling. And, you know, see this as a timeline, as a trajectory of, you know, yeah. a, like a movie, not a snapshot, not a picture, but a but a process. And so don't look at that, like, I got to get to 30,000 as fast as I can. No, just keep heading in a positive direction. You'll be there before you know it and you'll blow right past it. Right. So that's my advice. You know, that's, that's more philosophical perhaps, but I think that's helpful for a lot of people, especially, you know, in cultures that tell us fast results, get in, get out, make your money, make it happen now, you know, go big or go home, <laughs> go big or go home is terrible business advice. It really is. Yeah. Cause you'll be home quite quickly. You, <laughs> you only get so many chances to go big before you have to live at home with your mom in the basement, man. It's like, slow down, dude. You know, take it easy. Got some time here. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that helps you out. No, it did mess with me. It did. I appreciate you taking the time on this video. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. What are the chances you're going to make it over to the U.S. for our Proven Conference in July? I, I'm going, to, that was on my list. The date's on my calendar. Whether or not I can get out there or not, that's going to be, well, the day job, we'll see. <laughs> sure, sure. A busy guy. But if you can, there'll be a good handful of people there from all over the world. Uh, like I said, about 30% of our audience is international. Although at that event, I would say of the, let's say 550 people came last year, I would say maybe, you know, still with COVID restrictions everywhere. I'd say we had 20, 25 people there from outside the U.S. The year before, we had like no one. <laughs> so that was good. Before COVID, we would have a good, I would say, 15% of the audience would be from, from outside the U.S. Uh, typically. So, it, you know, you'll see a lot of international and, and um, make some good friends that way. If you can make it. If not, get the live stream, man. But I'd love to meet you. I would you definitely be getting a live stream. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And if I'm not there this year, it would definitely be next year. So, awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, we plan on doing it. We're already starting to make plans for 2024. I haven't announced that publicly anywhere, but we are already <laughs> locking it in. I know where we're going for the most part. We're starting to really dial it in. So hopefully, you know, before long, we're not even announcing the city for 2023 yet, but we're working on 2024. That's how confident we are of where things are going. But man, Dan, it's been great meeting you and great hanging out with you, buddy. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Jim. Appreciate Thank it. you. Well, let me talk to the audience before I let you go, Dan, just for a moment, the listeners who joined us today. Thanks for hanging out with Dan and I. This is the best part of my job, hanging out with members of our community who are building momentum. We love talking to some of those sellers who are in the newer stages of growth because we know that new students can really relate to them. But we've got plenty of episodes from sellers all over the spectrum of the success just we've got people with seven figure businesses and eight figure businesses. We've got people who just started a few weeks ago. So listen to a few podcast episodes, scroll back in time and listen to some of these interviews. 
We love doing them. The one thing they all have in common, like you heard from Dan today, is they're students of the Proven Amazon course. Some of them are coaching students as well. There's details on all that at silentgym.com. If you enjoyed this episode today, please share it with a friend, pass it around. You are our marketing team. We don't spend any money on marketing. We rely on word of mouth. So thank you for that and for your feedback. But on behalf of our great guest today, Dan, you did awesome. Thank you, my friend. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. And the whole team that puts this together, God bless all the business building warriors. We will talk to you again very soon. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's show. Before we go, as we like to do around here once a week or so, I bring on my friend, Mr. Jeff Schick. He's our resident expert for all things Amazon policy and legal. Many, many listeners to this show have him on retainer for just a few dollars a month. It's a beautiful plan he has for us. We'll have a link in the show notes with details. But Jeff, what do you got for us today? Well, I am sitting here in Orlando, Florida, and it's appropriate because a lot of people have been reaching out about Disney suing sellers. And so there, it's created quite the scare within different you know, Facebook groups. But what's interesting about this case, um, you know, the first thing, of course, I did is I went to PACER, which is the United States Federal Court you know, search, uh, tool to search cases. And I pulled up the case to see what exactly is really going on here. And what's going on is different than what's being portrayed in, face, in social media. So for instance, social media is resellers are being sued by Disney. Reality right. is... That's the exciting sellers, headline that we're seeing, right? Everyone yeah. getting all worked up. The, the fear-mongering, I guess, you can attract a lot of attention with that kind of stuff. Absolutely. The reality is, yes, there are maybe some resellers getting sued by Disney because they're selling counterfeit products. Mm-hmm. So, so what does that mean? Well, for instance, if you create your own Disney ears or you make a shirt and put, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on it, or you do any, you know, you make any product using Disney's intellectual property without properly licensing it from them, you're committing infringement. And so it could be copyright, it could be trademark infringement, it just depends on what exactly you're making and what the nature of it is. And so Disney's taking a stand against this. And so they've been suing Etsy sellers and Amazon handmade and some eBay sellers as well. And so of course, naturally, there are some resellers who have that crossover because they're making handmade stuff on Etsy. And they're getting sued by Disney for that handmade stuff, but they also maybe have a thriving replens business. And so they're claiming, well, Disney's suing me. Right. But it's not, they're not, you know, they could be replensing official licensed Disney merchandise. They're not being sued for that. They're being sued for the products they're selling on right. their You're you're safe to buy Disney products from an authorized retail location. So- at Correct. whatever price and then move them to eBay or Facebook Marketplace or Amazon and, and then sell them, assuming you're approved on Amazon because not everyone is approved to sell Disney on Amazon. You got to get approved. But assuming right. you get that, yeah, first sale doctrine kicks in, you can sell it. But if you're violating somebody's copyright yeah. or trademark <laughs> in this right. case, right? No, of Correct. course you can't. So yeah, so. It, it's the people making the custom you know, ears. Make them for yourself and wear them to the park. That's great. But if you start selling them on Etsy, you might find yourself into some trouble, I guess, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's trademark law. I don't want to say it's common sense because it's not, but, you know, it's, it's trademarks, you know. Because in the eyes of the court, there it doesn't matter that you're not, you know, this, you know, mega seller from the People's Republic of China that's pumping out a thousand pairs of Disney ears. They view you the same, even as a small town American making Disney ears that you're selling as that seller in China, because of the fact that the, illegally you're doing the same thing. And so if you want to make Disney ears, go get a license from a Disney company. It's probably too expensive. It won't be profitable. That's why you didn't do it in the first place. 
We actually <laughs> so, did have someone in our community. It's been several years yeah. back that went through the process and and made us some luggage with Disney logos and did quite well doing it. I mean, there is a process there, and you, if you yeah. follow the process, you can make. You know, you're going to pay them a lot of money <laughs> for the brand, <laughs> but they they did really well with that. But uh, yeah, thanks for the great tip today. It puts a lot yeah. of people at ease, hopefully, about the whole Disney issue and any other brands that you see kind of going after and protecting their brand. Resellers are safe yeah. as long as you're buying from legitimate sources. That's the bottom line. So yeah. appreciate your time today, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll have you back again real soon. JeffShick.com. S-C-H-I-C-K. Go check out the special offer he has for this community in the show notes. And we'll have, have him back again real soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.